everyone, and welcome back to Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Tonight, we're back at the digital table with David. Hello, everybody. And me, Lauren. So, in this episode, we will be discussing Mary Tudor of England, sometimes better known as Bloody Mary. And then we're going to go into everyone's favorite childhood folklore and maybe everyone's favorite brunch, alcoholic beverage. So today is all about Bloody Mary and Bloody Marys. So without further ado, let's get into it. Um, before I even start, Miss Opportunity, I should be drinking a Bloody Mary. I'm also missing that opportunity. So you're not in empty company. I feel like Mr. Um, drinks with Great Minds of History, if you're listening, I'm so sorry that we missed them all here. <laughs> I'm sure he has talked about Mary Tudor and had a Bloody Mary, but that's okay. Anyway, moving on. So tonight we're going to be talking about Mary Tudor, um, Queen Mary I of England, also known as Bloody Mary. Um, so these days she's best known uh, for saying her name three times in front of a mirror, uh, but she's also known for her anti-Protestant um, religious policies and actions during her very short reign. Um, so Mary was born in February of 1516 and was the sole child to live to adulthood of King Henry VIII and Catherine of Aragon. So she becomes um, basically uh, the heir to England. Uh, she was baptized as Catholic and um, I guess before we go too far into it, I'm going to do just a very periphery dive of King Henry VIII and his um, policies, or I guess his creation of the Church of England. Um, this could definitely be a like seven-part <laughs> episode, um, talking about the Protestant Reformation, um, but essentially... Um, Henry's not too happy that he does not have a male heir. Um, he goes to the Vatican and says, I want a divorce from Catherine of Aragon. The Pope says no. Um, there's a lot of nuance about what's going on here. And it's deeper than just he wants to get a divorce and the Pope saying, well, that's against the Bible. But essentially, long story short, the long and the short of it is that Henry then breaks from the church and establishes what's now known as the large branch of Protestantism, um, Anglicanism, the Church of England. Uh, this puts Henry at the top of his church. The king or the monarch of England is in charge of this new um, sect of Christianity. As a result, he gets his divorce from um, Catherine of Aragon and Mary's um Anne Bolin. There's a lot of information out about her. We can have a whole other episode just about her and her life. Um, but when this marriage happens, um, Mary is stripped of her succession right, basically. And those are transferred to Anne and Henry's uh daughter Elizabeth. So that's Elizabeth the first. Um, spoiler alert. Again, we could go a whole lot more into this family tree, but right now we're just focusing on Mary. Uh, Mary refused to acknowledge this change in succession and basically was like, my half-sister, like, 
does not have any rights over me. Um, she is not better than me in any way. Like, I'm not seeing this as valid. Um, as we may all know, Anne Bullen is then beheaded because of lack of male heirs in general, just like misogyny from our man, King Henry VIII. He moves on to Jane Seymour, 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 and after this, Jane's kind of like, you have to make amends with your daughter. It's really shaky. Henry kind of forces Mary to sign, like, a document that's like, yes, my father is right. Um, Mary remains a staunch Roman Catholic, even though her father literally creates his own religion, and it's just a very shaky relationship in general. Um, at this point, Elizabeth is also um, suspended from ascending to the throne, so her rights are also um, illegitimized. And time passes, and after the death of Henry VIII, um, secession went to their half-brother Edward, also known as the Boy King. Um, Edward continues what's known as the Protestant Reformation, um, getting rid of Catholic, like, acts, I guess, such as um, clerical celibacy. So uh, people in the church, they can now get married um, and things like that. He dies, and then Mary's kind of cousin becomes queen next. Uh, this is done by Edward basically to make sure both of his half-sisters do not get the throne. That doesn't last too long, though, so this is kind of happening in the 1550s, and it ends with Mary kind of writing and saying, you know, this is my God-given right, just because Edward and Henry basically illegitimized my birth, I'm still, like, I should be queen. Basically, that's what she's saying. And so she rides into London August 3rd of 1553 after Jane is deposed. Basically, the, like, the people of London, the people in the, um, in the court are kind of like, you know what, you're right. So Mary becomes queen in August of 1553. So that's a lot of names and dates, but basically what you need to know is um, Mary Tudor is son of, or daughter of Henry VIII and sister, half-sister of Queen Elizabeth I. She's a Catholic, and when she becomes queen, she kind of is trying to bring Catholicism back into the scope of the official religion of England. She's saying she doesn't agree with what her father or her half-brother Edward were doing with the Protestant Reformation, and she wants to kind of um, bring back Catholicism and kind of rekindle broken relationships with, um, with the Vatican, with the Pope. It's the break between Henry VIII and the Pope that really starts the whole split. So one of her first acts as queen is she releases various Catholic bishops from prison. So that's one of the first things that she does. Shortly after she becomes queen, she says that she would not force her subjects to follow her religion. 
But by the end of September 1553, it's very, very obvious that she is just saying that. And major Protestant officials are almost immediately being imprisoned. She begins to undo religious legislation set up by her father and her brother to kind of bring back what was happening before um, the Protestant Reformation begins. Uh, Mary works to reinstate the 1539 six articles that were repealed by her father. Basically, these include some guidelines for the church and for the people that are in the church. So like priests and bishops and all that stuff. So she brings back clerical celibacy. So if any bishops or priests were married, they kind of lost their rights, kind of. They lost their privileges. Um, she brings back vows of chastity and she brings back the necessity of confession with a priest. She works to put England back into the good graces of the Vatican, particularly Pope Julius III. Uh, basically, she's trying to undo anything her father and brother did to um, make the Church of England what it was. Um, during this time, she is also um, mar getting married, mostly to prevent a Protestant um, secession to the throne, especially her half-sister Elizabeth. Uh, she marries Philip of Spain in July of 1554. Um, this makes Mary basically Queen of Naples at this point as well, and it brings um, England and France, uh, England and Spain closer together, and kind of continues to isolate them from France. Which, if you know anything about this time period, England and France. And Spain, the three of them have such a tumultuous relationship, but England and France are just, like, going at it constantly for, like, 500 years straight. Basically, they're just like, screw you. <laughs> Make a long story short with that one. Um, so, here. So, Protestants are beginning to flee in exile. They're basically exiling themselves, going to um, the mainland of the, con the continent, as they called it. Um, and those who say it are prosecuted for heresy. Um, Protestant executions begin in February of 1555. Um, it's unclear to me how many people were um, executed. Some people say over 300. Some people say like 250. Well, let's say at least 250 people are executed for their Protestant um, beliefs and going against now the Catholic Church and the Crown. Um, almost all of them are burned at the stakes because that is how you would deal with heresy at the time. Those that were killed and burned at the stake are quickly named martyrs by their Protestant peers. Uh, one of these fleeing Protestants is a guy named um, John Fox, and he writes the Book of Martyrs. And he's really talking about this time period, and the martyrs are describing and referring to these people that were basically burned. Yeah. So Mary is now being known as Bloody Mary by many Protestants almost immediately um, because of these actions. So she's best known for her religious pro policies and 
Um, that's kind of what I focused on for the moment. But that's not all that happened during her reign. Um, she and her husband, Philip, continued the invasion and colonization of Ireland. Um, plantations are set up there. Um, these are not plantations that we think of during this um the 1800s in the United States. At the time, plantation was referring to a planting place. Now, that's not to say it wasn't being colonized. They were trying to convert um, Irish people to, it was Protestantism, then it was Catholicism, and then it was Protestantism, and basically trying to put their thumb on the backs of the neck of Irish people. But this was not um, plantations like we think of today. England also came to uh, Spain's aid when they declared war on France in 1557 and to 1558. Um, from what I see on the English side of things, not much comes of it. They do get a foothold on the mainland for like half a second in France, but nothing from what I could see really comes out too much. Um, now... As I'm kind of getting to the end of the story, you may, as you're listening, realize that I'm not talking about a whole long of a time period here. Um, she rises to the throne in 1553, and the story kind of ends in 1558. Um, that's because Mary becomes ill in May of 1558, um, either from influenza or ovarian cysts um, or uterine cancer, and die in November of 1558. Um, she never had a child, and it sounds like she was in a lot of pain during her last few months. Um, so she's buried at Westminster, and is succeeded um, by Queen Elizabeth I, who, if anyone's interested, we could talk about in a later episode. Um, but basically, uh, Queen Elizabeth starts to quickly undo a lot of uh, Mary's Catholic practices. Um, so, yeah, so Bloody Mary quickly becomes Mary Tudor's nickname. Um, John Fox of Book of Martyrs fame uh quickly um he describes her as a bloodthirsty tyrant and that is how mary tudor is kind of seen in our history almost every um thing that i was looking at is basically just why is she called bloody mary her name is bloody mary <laughs> um so yeah so that's a really quick overview i know um but there's so much going on here um so just focusing on one aspect of this time period is kind of difficult but kind of interesting um mary had a lot going on in her very short reign um but i know david kind of has some more modern perspectives so I'm, i'll hand it over to you i do so um i went a totally different route when looking up bloody mary um i did do some of that background information too but i also focused in on the folklore and the classic drink that goes along with it because i'm sure people connect bloody mary the story we just told to both those things and that's not entirely <laughs> accurate uh so the bloody mary comes around in the 1920s and 30s there's some dispute about when it's originated um because in the 20s it does show up in france 
but a different drink, which is the same same exact, shows up in the third 1930s in New York. So there's some discrepancy of who starts at first. Um, either way, um, it's not connected to Mary Tudor, but Mary um, Gergothi, um, the person is a friend of the creators of the drink itself, which is vodka and tomato juice. During this time period, after the Russian Revolution, there's a lot more vodka globally. I wonder why that is. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Um, so France is really experimenting with that, and this is one of the drinks that comes out of it. I'm sure Mary Tudor herself would not be a fan of this drink at all. Probably um, not. That but, or she'd be like, you know what? I am. I am that girl. <laughs> I like brunch. This is the drink of brunch. This is for me. Um, so that's the origin. So while most people connect Bloody Mary or Mary Tudor to the drink, that's not accurate. Um, people just make that connection because the nickname Bloody Mary, Mary Tudor. Once you hear that nickname once, you associate everything back to that origin person. Just like the folklore. Bloody now, before, oh, before you jump in there, are you a Bloody Mary kind of guy? I don't drink it. Not tomato juice kind of girl. It's just, I don't drink vodka often. Um, haunt, students, cover your ears. Yeah. Um, I I know I'm very particular in what I drink and when I drink it and that's never been on the docket for anything. If I'm going to have like a brunch thing, I'm a mimosa person. Yeah, but if I if if it's brunch, it's still coffee time. That's fair. Get some kids cover your ears. Get some Kahlua in there. See, for me, I I try to be very strict on when I if or when I start that that activity. Um, because then it doesn't stop. <laughs> Twelve o'clock is too early sometimes. Now again, you get those days, but for me, generally, way too early. Even now, I was gonna have a drink with this for people at home. It's like five fifteen. I was like, eh. yeah. No, I got back from work. And I was like, I need to get going. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I need to keep my life together. Anyway, for all of you listeners, now you know our drinking preferences, I guess. If you want to know more about those drinking preferences, please listen to the Jamestown episode. Correct. But moving on to the folklore, let's do this. So the folklore is even weirder because the folklore Bloody Mary, no one knows who it's in connection to. There are some who speculate it could be Mary Tudor because during her life, she did have false pregnancies, um, which the whole story of the folklore itself, it, if you mention um, the words, I killed your child, that gets the spirit more aggravated. So some do connect that piece to Mary of Tudor, but that's it. Um, because in the folklore, Mary of Tudor doesn't die violently. There's not a lot of blood leaving her body, right? So then some 
put it to Mary Scott because Mary of the Scots did die violently. But that's even more of a stretch. That's the only connection point. So there's no real connection point between the past and the folklore itself. The folklore also changes regionally, so it's not all the same. You can add in words, you can take words away, you can change up locations, uh, depending on where where you live and what version of the story you hear. Also, it's meant, originally, the folklore was meant to show you if you were going to marry someone and who that person would be. You would go in the mirror, you would say it, and an image would show of the female and who their significant other would be when they married. Or you get a Grim Reaper showing you you're going to die before marriage age. So that's sort of the beginnings of it. And then it evolves into something completely different. Uh, So Bloody Mary itself, even the folklore, while we may connect it to the queen, it's not exactly correct either. Um, Mary Tudor was not the greatest. I think we can all say that here. But the drinks and the uh, folklore is not directly connected to her. It's just people putting kind of pieces together that weren't there originally. And in the show notes, I did include the sources I use. So obviously, if you want to take a look at the full story, because it goes way more in detail way more into the how the folklore is different from region to region. Uh, so yeah, I would definitely take a look at that because it gets way more intense. And also the folklore of Bloody Mary is only 50 years old. So it started showing up in the 1970s. Right, which is interesting because, you know, it's such a um, weird thing to relate to Mary Tudor, but at the same time, they're like, well, she killed a bunch of people, so she's gonna come and get you. Like, right. I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. People are weird. Did you, as a youngin, ever try to summon Bloody Mary? No, I was... No, I don't... I don't mess with with the... I don't mess with the spirits. I got enough... I don't need I don't need that juju. Let them do them. They're dead. They're dead. Let them let them rest. Yeah, the um one that I remember growing up with the sect of Bloody Marys. You know, you turn and you say Bloody Mary three times, and she appears in the mirror, and then who knows? Maybe you get all scratched up. And I was just like, in what seven year old? That sounds fun. How, how is that fun? I'm you guys go do it. I'm okay. Like, and as I get older, I'm like, don't mess with the. They have enough going on, and they, if you don't know how to put something back, don't take it out. I'm right. Good. Also, <laughs> that's how to put it back. <laughs> and that's the other part about this too. You don't have to do it in the bathroom. That's like the easiest place to do it, and that's because it's the easiest to get dark. But right. anywhere with a mirror, the lights off, and complete pitch black suffices now again we're not saying operation history try this activity operation history does not condone summoning spirits leave them alone they got enough they got enough baggage 
Let them be. Let them do their thing. Let them do their spirit thing. Especially Make one fun. that likes burning people at the stake. Don't do it. You're just asking for trouble at that point. Don't do it. Bad juju. Bad juju. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm good. So interesting. They like racial differences of it too. But it's such a everything surrounding Bloody Mary is just interesting, and ev- nothing that you hear is the same twice. I think it's like the game of telephone, right? You know, right. as as the story is told generation to generation or from one person to another, things change, things get forgotten, things get modified. And it's just like Mary Tudor's legacy. Thankfully, we have written accounts, so that one's a little harder to change. But the folklore, the drinks itself, right? we can look at that and be like, that's not exactly correct. But it's also people putting kind of their own pieces together with what information they have. Right. There's someone named Bloody Mary once in history. This must be connected to them. Exactly. Yeah. Thank you so very much for turning tuning into this very quick episode of Operation History. We appreciate all of our listeners and the support that we've received. Please rate, download, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you get your pods. It's a small and simple thing you can do to help us out in a big way. If you did not know, Spotify, you can now send out direct questions to the episodes when they post so you can go ahead leave us a question there and we'll respond whenever we get the chance to uh we're still learning that so there's a little bit of a learning curve here so if you post we'll get to it when we can um as as we learn if you like to interact with us there are different ways you can do that one spotify uh you can also reach out to us on twitter instagram and facebook at operation hist you can shoot us an email also at Operation History Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can view us on our website, which is Operation History Podcast, WordPress.com. All the sources, show notes can be found there once the episode is uploaded. Thank you again for joining us here in Operation History. And before I forget, in September, we are doing a question and answer episode so if you have any questions about um anything about the hosts or anything please shoot us a message on any of the ways that i just told you and we can add that in for our september episode okay so this is operation history until next time we are signing out do 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 do